detective. Thrill me. Good evening, everyone. We're back after what? Three or four weeks? Yeah, I think it's been three a or four weeks. A, a little bit of a high A bit of a layoff. No Gibbo again tonight. He's unfortunately uh, got some other things on. I think he's taking personal leave. Yeah, he's, he's taking... Either, either that or he's abandoning a sinking ship. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. But he's taking some personal leave. Um, he's got some things on, so uh, he won't be around for the next couple of episodes. Tonight, Beverly Hills Cop. But before we get to that, Jared, because it's been a few weeks, what have you got on your slate? Mine's pretty short. I was actually on holiday, so... Wasn't watching a hell of a lot. Right. Um, I finished up the third season of Better Call Saul. How was it? I really liked it. If you liked Breaking Bad, you, there's there's really sort of no way around liking this, especially now that it's ramping up into um, closing other in characters on that, that we know. You know, like um, uh, Gus Fring was was in and out of the third season, which was good. And yeah, you you start to get a few familiar faces and situations, and uh, yeah, it's very enjoyable. Okay. I actually got along to the... Finally, I got around to seeing the Ip Man movie. Ip Man? Is that on Ip Netflix? Man, yeah, with Donnie... Donnie... Uh, shit, what's it? Donnie Yang. The first one was really good. <clears throat> it's supposed to be like... The, the idea is that it's based around the bloke that trained Bruce Lee with hefty amounts of, of shit in there. But yeah, for kung fu flicks, martial arts flicks... Not they're, bad. They're really... Yeah, good stuff. Um, some of the fight scenes are just awesome because they're at such speed and... Donnie Yen as like the master is kind of just barely breaking a sweat. He's kind of just rolling out, you know, blokes are giving it their all against him and he's just kind of, you know, Looks, nonchalantly yeah, <laughs> slapping blokes around and, they, you know. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a couple of, my, my only problem was a couple of the sort of plot threads that look like they could really develop just sort of don't. But then I went and watched It Man 2. And they, they come Which back. They start to develop they a little bit more. back in sore-like. Yes, but it had it had a couple of problems too in that, you know, you, it's the same sort of situation. Some of those people that you liked in the first movie that you wanted to see come back do, um, but then someone new that comes into the second movie doesn't kind of develop like you wanted. And it's sort of like secondary plot threads develop into the main plot and things <laughs> like that. Like, but if, if you're looking for a bit of a blue and, and, and some fairly impressive martial arts, then they're really good. Samo um, Hung was in the second one. Really? So that was, yeah, that was kind of cool. After that, I had a bit of a read into it and um, found a quote about how Donnie Yen said, I, I won't play Ip Man again. It, it'll just be cashing in, blah, blah, blah. Five so Man's later. to my delight, I found Ip Man 3. I'm definitely <laughs> after reading about how he said he wouldn't do it again. Ip Man 3 had Mike Tyson as one of the big, big bads. Um, which was really cool when it came to a fight scene. Not yeah. so cool when it came to when acting. It came to the acting. Um, again, this one was probably the weakest of all of them, but the fight scenes again were pretty cool. Um, same deal. Some of the uh, you, you think Mike Tyson's going to be the big boss, and it kind of results in a fight halfway through, and then he's gone, hmm. which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed all of them. That was right. fun. I watched some. Uh, some vintage Stallone. Vintage <laughs> Stallone, here Lock we go. Up. Lock up. <laughs> yeah. Cock up. Cock up. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, AKA Cock up. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not. Is it a Cock up? It's or not, not one of his better movies. I mean, the bloke is just the. Uh, he's just got this code of ethics that would never get him in prison, for starters. <laughs> like, in the situation that he seemingly got in prison for was purely self defense by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the, you know, the model prisoner never sets a foot wrong. Um, so that was hard to cop. But it's got good, it's got good actors in it. It's got you know Donald Sutherland and Tom Sizemore. And oh, yeah. so yeah, it was yeah. If you like Stallone, you'll enjoy it enough. But it's not one of the, not one of his greats. I love the both. So yeah, of course. Was it on Netflix? It was on Stan. No, no, it was one. It was on one of them. So it on, it's not on Netflix. I'm not getting Stan. Yeah, so. You'll get Stan eventually. You'll come around. <laughs> Next time they put a Kevin Smith movie on there. <laughs> Mate, let me tell you something. Um, Stan will be gone by the time yeah, I'm Yeah, I reckon it probably will be, actually. The, the, movie, the new movies are very slowly trickling onto yeah. Stan. Speaking of Stan, though, they have Key and Peele, so I started watching that from the start. How was it? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. You mm. can see where you can see where the um, Get Out came from, even though that's a, even though the, the show's a comedy. You can see they're, they're always involved in the sort of politics of race and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, there's some really good sketches on there, uh, some quite funny stuff. And the last one I saw, which will probably segue nicely into yours, is 
Spider-Man. Oh, yes. Coming. Yes, I did see Spider-Man. So my feelings were that um, it's probably the second best Spider-Man movie. I've still got a real soft spot for Spider-Man 2. I'd probably have to go back and reassess that one, but I, I really like Spider-Man 2. But this one's probably... It actually, it's probably like a 1A, 1B situation because um, this one's excellent. I really, really liked it. <clears throat> The villain has more depth than we're used to yeah, in the yeah. last few Marvel movies. Well, at least um, it was kind of also blue collar. He was kind yeah. of blue collar. And there was a, it's got a bit of, it really reminded me of a little bit of Mr. Freeze in the Batman stuff, how, not Arnold. <laughs> when they reinvented Mr. Freeze, there was a, there was an angle to it where you were sympathetic to it. Yeah. And this has got that. Hmm. Um, and Michael Keaton, obviously great actor. So I was, yeah, I was right in. I really enjoyed it. Liked it a lot. And the Spider-Man they got right finally like Tobey Maguire I was never down with because I just felt he was too old and it just missed the mark a little bit but yeah this the current setup they've got is is I can see it producing the best the best work for them so. oh, I, look I, I think Spider-Man 2 is the best I still have a soft spot for the original Spider-Man I just like the Sam Raimi one yep. for whatever reason and I think this is on par with that mm-hmm. I think that they've done a really good job and a good way to start over I love the fact that Iron Man was kind of his mentor, so it sort of yeah. and connected it to the Avengers and provided a few humorous, few humorous moments. moments. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought the fact that he was younger Made was sense. another. It just made more sense, and the fact that he was um, his web slinging stuff was made, yeah, um, which I liked all that. Um, which I believe is more along the lines of the comics. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I, mean, I kind of dug his little group of nerdy mates. Or yeah, his little well, nerdy mate that he had. It, it actually felt like he was a high schooler and not a very popular. I'll high tell schooler. you the other thing I liked about it that Flash was also a nerd burger. He was just yeah, like King Flash Nerd was, Burger. He, he wasn't like a, trying to punch him out because he's no, a dumb jock. He was just he was a bloke who had a bit of cash and status. Yeah, and, I liked that. I, I thought that was a nice little touch to yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean some people have got up in arms about that it's that it's too far removed to the whole Mary Jane stuff and and Flash and it, but I, no, but I, I liked, liked that. it. And and this is the thing, you can never please everyone because you finally got a Spider-Man who looks like he's in high school, who acts like he's in high school but still people just don't But I also what I loved it. about that was they kind of gave you the bait and switch type of thing. Yeah, because yeah. he liked the other girl. Yeah, and I yeah, thought exactly. she was Mary Jane, possibly. Yeah, you yeah. know, or she was going to be the new Mary Jane. Yeah, and then she's the way it ends up. It's it's a total sort of departure. Yeah, even they though of, they kind of blew that in the casting when they yeah. told everyone who it was. And yeah, stuff, so so you kind of knew anyway, right. but if still it was a in, nice move. If you went in cold. That for a bloke like me who's not a Spider Man. Junkie, I didn't really see it coming, and I liked it. Yeah. I liked that. And I was I was right up with you on the Flash stuff. I thought it was I thought yeah. It was, it was just better. it's just interesting way of doing it. Yeah. And why not have something interesting? My only real gripe was some of the action scenes. You, you couldn't see what was happening. There's a bit, bit of shaky cam. There was um, a couple. There was one particular scene where it's it's being shot from a, the POV of him mm-hmm. while he's being dragged or something. <clears throat> And it was just shit. I'm serious. I didn't know what was going on. And it went for like 10, 15 seconds or something like that. And I was like, please, you know, just chop those little bits out. And it would have – look, I would give it an eight and a half. Mm. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a real good way to kick it off again. Yeah. I actually – there's a a sort of conversation now about – because they're the sort of two current ones – What's better, Wonder Woman or Spider-Man? I enjoyed the hell out of both of them, to be honest. I thought they were both really great movies. So it's good, good, good stuff. I watched Kickbox of Vengeance. <clears throat> you fool. <laughs> I thought I took the bullet. <laughs> exactly what I expected. <laughs> yeah. um, nothing better, nothing worse. The acting is shite. The, yeah. the, the plot lines. I mean, there was stuff going on that seemed to have no connection to anything. No, I didn't know what was happening. There was a police investigation ongoing, which I never connected the dots to what they were investigating. Well, the the woman seemed to only be investigating Elaine Moosey's body. <laughs> And the fight scenes were okay. As you said, though, um, I didn't really... I mean, I kind of was aware of it but didn't sort of think about it. But, I mean, Van Dam could have fixed this whole problem. He's beating the the shit out of everybody. He could have fixed this whole problem just by dealing with Tong Po from the get-go. Yeah, well, (laughs) Van Dam could have knocked on his door, 
put his foot up Togpo's ass <laughs> and left it at that. Yep. Right? That was how it seemed, that, that Van Damme was just supreme. You yep. know, like he just couldn't be beaten by the guy he was mentoring. Yeah. It just, I mean, you got no movie. <laughs> but also, you don't hire Gina Carano for... A role acting. where she really didn't do much. Like, she's barely she in nothing. it. Is, isn't she also an FBI or something like that? See, again, I no, didn't she get... Was, uh, she was, she was organising... Oh, she was in the, the organising fight. fight ring, basically. Um, so, I... But I she's, she should have been fighting some, yeah. at some point. Even if she was organising the fight ring. She uh, should have had an early biffo and just to see yeah, that she was, you know... something. Ass kicker. Yeah. But, look, and I'm not knocking her acting... Like she's not a great actress, but she's serviceable. But you don't hire her yeah. for an acting. So, job. but you so it's, it seems more like it seems more like a a cameo type of role. Yeah, she was barely in it. Yeah, it wasn't great though. I, I finished off Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> the episode involving Brower and Dennis Haysbert. Yeah, as they're having some sort of contest to see who could be the most deadpan. <laughs> I was just pissing my pants. <laughs> Uh, really, really good. Looking forward to a fourth season. Yep. I watched the entire season of Glow. Yep. Mate, I loved it. Yeah, I was a big I fan. I thought it was fantastic because it was such a different subculture yeah. to have a drama slash comedy show attached to. Yeah, and it works. It's totally relevant now about you know women's issues as well, so it's mm. a great time to mm. to use that as a vehicle to get a few of those messages I loved out it. as well. The soundtrack was Awesome. Like Mark Maron. Mark Maron <laughs> was fantastic. And I also loved um, Bash. You were a big fan of him too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was coaxing the eyeballs. Yeah, immediately he's got a mile a minute. He's, he's like, rubbing his nose and <laughs> crossing his arms and shaking his head. But I think that, Al- is it Alison Brie? Yeah, yeah, She yeah. was She's just excellent. awesome. Like, she just carries it. She's fantastic in it. And the show is, I, I, it, it'd be really interesting to see how it goes for a second season. Because yeah. that first season is all about setting it all up. Yeah. So it's kind of be, beaten the can, odds and can all you stuff can and you really sort of grab that for another ten episodes? That's going to be interesting. Yeah, the good thing I guess is being on Netflix, they they aren't pressed to a, a schedule. No, so they can take they time. They flesh it out, and if it's a good idea, they'll they'll run with I it. I also watched the doco hmm? about Glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Yep. it was interesting, uh, and it really it ended really well with a kind of a um, one of them got together a kind of reunion to get them all back together, which I thought was really cool. A nice way to end it. Yep. Uh, and last, the last one was an anthology horror movie that was on Netflix called XX. Mm. It's all women. Yep. Directed by women and um, all four parts. Really well made. But three of the four stories were about nothing. Right. But like they had no payoff. Yeah. Like at the end, I was just sitting there going, What? All right. <laughs> so what? Things like Creepshow were not great. Really not great movies either, but Creepshow had payoff. Like yeah, they'd always pay those out. off, yeah. even if they were really randomly done and pretty poorly done. There was payoff. There just didn't seem to be payoff here. Either that, or I didn't understand it, which is possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to argue there. Uh, that's it for me. Oh, my only problem is I was thinking of watching that, but I think I'd be in the same boat. <laughs> Probably be a pretty obvious twist. Well, there was another. There's VHS is on there as well, and I sort of tossed up between VHS and that. Yeah. But VHS is found footage, and I've got a problem with that. You see, even I've heard. I don't know. I've heard VHS is. Pretty average as well, bar one story. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'll check him out in the long run. I think anthology like, horror is difficult. Like, the other thing, too, is the creep show ones appeal to me because they're kind of that Tales from the Crypty kind of that EC, EC horror comics, kind of yeah. business. So, that's a bit more appealing. Mm. And as you said, they always end with a, a twist and there's a bit of a, a ghoulish edge. There's things like, you know, bloody zombies and things yeah. like that. There's always People that, that, that payoff for all of them. Yeah. I just feel it must be... It's, I think it's more difficult than we think yeah. to make oh, anthology oh, horror. Absolutely. Um, and something like Trick or Treat is probably a, a bit of an outlier because it's yeah, really good. because he just nailed it and all of the stories <laughs> came up really well. But it also ran a thread... Through its four stories. Yeah. So they were all connected in some Mm -hmm. way. All right. Take a break. Here's a trailer for 1984's Beverly Hills Cop. Eddie Murphy is a Detroit cop. 
vacation in Beverly Hills. May I help you? Yeah. I'm looking for Victor Maitland. I've never been to Marcella. Can I stay for a while? Because I ordered some pizza. This is nice. Eddie Murphy. How you doing? Beverly Hills Cop. Rated R. Starts Wednesday, December 5th. Beverly Hills Cop. Directed by Martin Brest, who did Midnight Run and Meet Joe Black. Produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. Obviously, they the guys behind Con Air, The Rock, Top Gun. Produced everything. Yep. <laughs> Written by Daniel Petrie Jr., who made a little little favourite of mine, Toy Soldiers. Mm, good flick. And Turner and Hooch. Uh, <laughs> not so good. <laughs> um, and Daniello Bach, who wrote April Fool's Day. I should be honest, I used to love Turner and Hooch. I used to love it too. <laughs> it stars Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley, Stephen Burkhoff as Victor Maitland, Lisa Olbacker as Jenny Summers, Ronnie Cox as Lieutenant Bogomil, John Ashton as Sergeant Taggart, and Judge Reinhold as Detective Billy Rosewood. The budget for this was $14 million, and the box office was $316 million worldwide, 1984. That's Not a bad. lot of cabbage. <laughs> Just to let you know, this was the number one film in the American box office for 13 straight weeks. God, no wonder Bruckheim was on coke. Or, no, <laughs> Simpson was, was on coke. Bruckheim was, <laughs> was clean, mate. <laughs> Someone must have just offered it and he thought, oh, well, shit, I've got a stack of cash over there. Yeah. Why not? Brackheim was clean, considering he's still with us. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. was all right. All right. General thoughts, Jared? Right. So it's a, it's a tight uh, little piece of action work, which is good to start. Um, we're not... We're not sitting there for hours on end, <laughs> which was great about the 80s, wasn't it? You got 140 minutes of, you know, just streamlined gear. Um, Eddie Murphy is just, he makes the film, but the, the, the little pieces that tie it together actually work really well too. The story's good enough. The fish-out-of-water element works. The the supporting actors are fairly well excellent all round. Yep. There's not really a dud actor in there. Um, and Eddie Murphy's sort of humour just adds this whole other element of this action comedy that you just you can't beat the comedy in, yeah. in that realm because he's so damn funny. And yeah. you, it was so sort of out of left field that he'd be in an action-y kind of movie that works and then you add his kind of the peak of his powers with his, you know, comedy. It's just a, just a gem. So yeah. um, I'd probably go to four and a half. That's that's personal, yeah. uh, a personal sort of opinion. I loved Eddie Murphy at his at his finest, yeah. and it's a good action flick. So, yeah, I I think this is the best action comedy. This is kind of a buddy cop movie a bit, and he is just so perfectly cast in this movie. Um, and he he takes what would have been a one dimensional action film. And turns it into something really, really funny, really, yeah. really well done. But you're right, you the plot threads are, are still interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the character development is interesting. It's a strong enough, it's a strong enough um, uh, sort of, it's strong enough bones to it to make it a, a decent action flick. But the the humour just takes it to another level. But the action is kind of stripped back. Mm. Like nothing gets blown up. No. No. And I loved that. In a way, I kind of, I was, I was loving every minute of it because, in fact, it opens with its biggest action scene, yeah, yeah. and and doesn't get any bigger than that. Yep. And I'm kind of like, it feels kind of, it just a sort of a stripped back, kind of action picture, but with the comedy to to fill in those gaps when there is no action. Yeah. And a lead who can who can do the job. Yeah. I was this close to giving it five. Oof. Just a hair off, but I looked at it closely in comparison to the real top rung, and it's just not quite there. Yep. So it's a four and a half for me, but it's I haven't seen it in in a couple of years, and I really really enjoyed it. Yep. Watching it again, it's definitely a, our sort of vintage. Yeah, definitely. Like it's right in that. In fact, it's before. Like yeah, think it about it. Before, it's yeah. three years pre-Lethal Weapon. Well, I would have been when it came out. I would have been three years old. Right. So when I started watching it, you um, would have been what, probably a little bit 90s? earlier. I should have been. No, 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 I was watching it. I'm pretty sure I saw it 
Oh, maybe in the late eighties. A little bit before that, yeah. I watched a lot of these quite young, partly because half the time I walked into your place, you had some shit. I remember seeing Freddy Krueger when I was fucking five years old, mate. So <laughs> obviously we were doing that. <laughs> we were doing a rock solid job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah, I probably saw it a little bit before that. Yeah. But yeah, early nineties would have been when it was. You know, I was catching her on TV. Yeah, it was on. But it was also VCR on all the time. Yeah. Remember in the old days when they get, things get chopped up, and yep. on TV and and um, Inspector Todd's little speech in the thing. It's just it's like it's like a minute long. It's like a minute long. <laughs> they just cut everything out. Inspector Todd walks in. He goes, "Where's Foley?" And then walks out. <laughs> just to kick off the, the likes, the soundtrack is just. It, it is one of the best soundtracks going oh. around. Every song yeah. that turned up. It's so it's you you, you pop your arms down, bopping around, bopping loving around. it. Um, and and when things sort of get serious, here comes Axel F. Yeah, that's and right. We're constantly getting Axel F playing in there. Like it's just all the songs are really well. It's kind. It's like a time capsule. Hmm. It's like going to a bloody eighties disco. Oh, listen to this one. I've heard this in ages. <laughs> but also, they use the songs in in montages to kind of set some scene. So. The movie opens with the heat, the is, heat on, is on, and Excellent. it's to Detroit. It yep. shows you the run-down kind of gritty streets of Detroit. Yep. And then when he gets to Beverly Hills, they have Stir It Up, you know, and it's all sort of fancy and, you know, the palm trees and you all missed, that. I mean, you know. The Neutron a minute, a minute after the heat is on, we're doing a Neutron <laughs> dance. Dance. off the back of a truck. <laughs> Loving every minute of it. But I just love that. It should have introduced, our, it, it introduced you to Detroit yep. in the opening reel. Gets off to a flyer with a massive truck chase, running, smashing through cars left and right. Mm. But when we get to Beverly Hills, we get a more up vibe kind of sound. Yeah. And I just, I love the fact that they actually use the songs appropriately. Yep. They're not just shoveled in there for, you know, oh, we've got Linkin Park's latest. We better ram that into yeah. the nearest Transformers <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yep. So. Uh, I reckon it's right up there with one of my favourite soundtracks, 80 soundtracks. Definitely, definitely. I do like the truck chase. Plenty of carnage. Well directed, too. Yeah, it's kind of cool because it sort of sets the tone in that it's kind of fun. Mainly because of the neutral dance. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) The scene's kind of fun and Eddie's swinging off the back of the truck and... um, uh, like you said, it's kind of grounded. You don't have cars like flying twenty meters <laughs> in the air. They actually well, well they I didn't see a submarine. No, 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 exactly. <laughs> we are out of nowhere. Um, but you know, when the when the cars hit each other, they just kind of come to a grinding halt. They don't go blowing up and flying yeah. in the air. Well, what I liked is a kind, kind of, of antithesis of Action Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was quite like Action Jackson saw this and thought, shit, let's <laughs> turn it up a notch. Yeah, turn it up to eleven. Um, the thing about it is. It just feels real. Like, it's obviously all done very practically. The other great thing about it is, Eddie's your action hero, but he's, he, all he does is just hang off the back of the truck yeah, for he survival. He do, doesn't shoot anyone or... He doesn't actually solve the thing himself. Yeah. He just sort of, yeah. And, you know, the moment we meet him, we know he's a fast-talking bullshit artist. Yep. You know, so I kind of really dug the way we kind of met him. Yep. Especially when... They finally pull the truck over and the bloke just goes, Foley, should have known it was you. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so straight off the back of that, we get Inspector Todd. Great police oh, captain. <laughs> Possibly good. the greatest. The you? greatest. They just love when they're kind of talking about him and they're like, yeah, you know, he's looking for you and you're thinking, oh, shit, you know, just your standard. But then he busts in and you're like, you buy him every second. And the first line is you just sort of hear off camera. Is that fucking Foley down here? And then he sort of charges in and he's strutting in. He's like... I also love when he's uh, when Axel's walking through the locker room and that bloke goes, hey Axel, got a cigarette? Because <laughs> yeah, that whole truck was full of yeah, yeah. I, like, oh, yeah. I like that. Like, you can sort of tell that the bloke was a cop. Because he yeah. sort of when he's laying down the law and Eddie cuts in and he sort of cuts him <laughs> off, you kind of buy that you just kind of stand there and go, fuck, just let him finish. <laughs> and then he starts going around, oh, you chewing my ass off. <laughs> and Paul Riser, a little, little small Paul Riser yeah, performance. Yeah, a little, little bit of Riser. What does he say to him? Listen, get out of my I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the uh, Riser standing in the background? Oh, this is not my luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The whole scene, the, the sort of comedy... Going back, like when Eddie says to him, you didn't chew, oh yeah, so if you got a little bit left and yeah. all that sort of stuff, like it goes really well played <coughs> off against Todd, who is an intimidating kind yeah, of character. Yeah, character. But he's right up there with your, your best 
police cameras. Oh. He's even cracking a mo, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's mo. The police issue, you know, the standard issue mo. And I think he's got the three fifty seven mo. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's um, he's taught like even even later on. He, he was, was a cop, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he actually he was, was a, a detective. And later on, you you kind of hear him, like, Axel, go and get that checked out. Yeah. And Foley's like, yeah, fine. That's not a request. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I'd I'd be taking orders. Go and get it checked out. Um, Eddie Murphy. Basically, I'm, I'm not going to get controversial, but I reckon you watch this movie closely, the guy's got range. He's yeah. got range. He, he yeah. can. He's pure motor mouth. Well, shit, mate. He's Oscar nominated, isn't he? Exactly. And there's a reason for it. People sort of snigger about Dream Girls for some reason. But oh, I hated that movie, but he was excellent. But looking back on this, we forget... I, I believe he fell asleep. The, the, <laughs> Sorry. The guy, the guy, was, the guy is has shows range in this in this movie. Yeah, he Not does. to Nero's sort of rage, but for an action film, for an action star, he's got, he, he's he, who's primarily there for comedy. There's a couple of times where he, and, and yeah, this is probably skipping ahead a little bit when he's face to face with what's the bad guy's Maitland. name? Maitland, and he says, "If you do anything to her, I'm going to kill you." Yeah, and he goes. That would be a neat trick, wouldn't it? And you just get that sense of there's in, there is intimidation there from Eddie. Like he's got that, he's got a little bit of that too. Yeah. And he, he mixes it in really nicely a couple of times. Yeah. Like he does a really really good job, I think, from an acting standpoint, but also from the comedy side of it. Yeah, yeah. Look, you're right. I think he's got he's he does have range. Yeah. I think he's shown at points in his career when he wants to that he can do that. Like, that's part of what makes it so... You see the shit that he rolls out these days and you just get so annoyed. But, I, like, I've read interviews with him when they kind of... They've, they've basically said to him, why do you make the movies that you do now? And he kind of just says... Basically, one of his quotes was something along the lines of, that, you know, in the end it's all going to be dust anyway, so who cares? Hmm. He's just cashing, cashing checks, which is why he does... I mean... When I see something like Meet Dave pop up on bloody Netflix or something, I almost cry. Was <laughs> <laughs> he? What happened? I think, and I just sort of wish that he'd do because the, the closest that I remember him doing to Axel Foley again was Metro. Yeah, which no, it's not Beverly Hills Cop. No, it's not that bad, Metro. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, it was an attempt at that, and I kind of wish that he'd do it again because he's not doing anything worthwhile now. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> But see, he can stretch yeah. a little bit, yeah. Um, and he's shown those chops, yeah. And I think he's good here. I think what people forgot Norbert? this. Do you he stretched the chops? I never saw Norbert, <laughs> and I wish I, I've been told never to watch. I did, it. I did. But I guess what I'm saying is, in '84, like you could looking you could back, you yeah. could see it. Yeah. You could see he was capable. He could have just been. Like, he could have been. Well, he was. He was a megastar. He was the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Into the 90s. I mean, shit. The Nutty Professor films were super oh, successful. Love, and Pierce Funny. I love the Nutty Professor. Um, and he showcases... Hey, Bowfinger. Bowfinger's probably underrated. He's underrated. He's underrated. But what I mean is I just feel that without him in this film, it's a different film. Now, yeah. just, just for everyone out there, it was initially offered to Mickey Rourke. And I believe there... <laughs> I believe Mickey... Um, had to pass or something because there was some script problems or whatever, yeah. and it, it went over. He got paid. Though. He got paid. Yeah, yeah, he got like a holding fee or whatever it was called. Yep. Then it was offered to Stallone, and he also got paid. <laughs> but I think there was some rewrites involved in that. Yeah, he wanted um, to rewrite the thing. I heard there was some haggling over what sort of orange juice was. Yeah, involved. that's <laughs> what I heard too. That sounds like a load of shit. But sounds still, like pure shit. but. From what I got told, I, I watched the making of. Yeah. And they sort of said, look, Stallone was very gracious. Yeah, he sort of sort of stepped aside yeah. when the time came. But I can only assume, based on the fact that everyone says that Cobra is essentially the what pieces. the rewrite of Beverly Hills Cop would have been. Yeah. Well, I think he was he asked to be able to take some of the scenes that he'd yeah. done. And so it's it's I think it's a little bit of patchwork, but parts of Cobra are what would have been... And you can see this wouldn't have worked. And he's Stallone. said he's. I give Stallone some credit because he basically said this wouldn't have worked for me as it was. 
it wouldn't have worked. No. So he knew where his bread was buttered. Exactly. And he knew that he was, you know, he knew that he was attempting to put together a filet mignon when he was only capable of minute steak. You know, so he sort of he took his minute steak and he cooked it on another barbecue. You know. Yeah, that's right. He didn't. He undercooked it. Yeah, undercooked it all right. <laughs> on another barbie. No one. You don't fuck up minute steak. But somehow, <laughs> managed to do so in Cobra. But yeah, I give him credit for actually seeing it and saying it's got to be rewritten or it's or I can't do it. Basically. Yeah, yeah, and and I like that. In fact, without and and him stepping aside means Eddie Murphy comes in and the movie turns it was out only to be a couple what it of is. weeks too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Shooting that it yeah, all. Yeah, he was yeah. pulled. Eddie Murphy was pulled in late. Yeah, and it was a masterstroke. Yeah, really good second tier cast too. Yeah, Ashton excellent. and Judge Reinhold are excellent. Yep. Ronnie Cox is fucking perfect. Mike Erman Trout. <laughs> Mike Erman Trout, excellent. Really quiet menace. Burkholz. I think the bad guy's fine. Like he's, I actually think he's quite good. He does the job because he's only got a basically. He's Although got a when we first meet him, he's in a komodo, isn't he? Or something? Uh, well, or in a, know, is he? Uh, a, you know, it's an air of mystique. He <laughs> might be a martial arts expert. We uh, we don't know. I think he's in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, but he's got enough menace. Yeah. Um, to bring to bear. Yeah, he's basically he's got to talk and look a little bit off, a little bit scary, and he does that. I also kind of dug on the fact that the female lead is more of a is a friend, not a not a romance. Yeah, and um, not only that, but she's got a bit of you're not going without me, you know. She's, yeah, yeah. She's muscling in. She's getting. She's got a bit of something and, to do. I believe in the Stallone. She would have been a um, a romantic. Well, what woman could resist? Exactly. So, but I kind of liked it. Yeah. I kind of liked that it went that way. Um, well, it would have just been a, a, a distraction, essentially, yeah. from the from the story. Because the whole idea was actually the 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 bromance yeah. between Eddie and his two Beverly Hills offsiders. Yeah. That was kind of what they were building, and I think throwing in a romance element, although I think it could have probably been fun. I think it probably would have distracted from that. Yeah. The movie's a sausage fest. Aside <laughs> from her and the hotel, the desk. Like, it's all black. I don't think there's a woman in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, just Actually, so, sorry, no, there's a stripper. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. To, to the tune of Nasty Girls. Yes, of course. Axel Foley is a, by the way, a facial hair trendsetter. Mm. I think he might be the first character to whip out Soul Patch. <laughs> <laughs> He's on Soul Patch work. <laughs> He is. I bet Rick James suggested that to him. That's a, that's a James move there. <laughs> no, no, no. Rick said to him, look, what you need is a bouffant bloody fucking perm. And, and, and he said, no, thanks, mate. <laughs> that's not working. The scene where he checks into the hotel, piss funny. Brilliant. When he's just rambling on about the bloody writing an article about Michael Jackson. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you got, it's hard to cop, but... Uh, the suspension of disbelief is there, and you just roll with Murphy concocting this story on the spot. But I also just love some of his little little bits where when he goes to see Victor Maitland the first time. Yeah. The yeah. flower delivery. Um, okay, just leave it at this. I think I should take it to him. What? Uh, look, it's imperative he gets this. Flower delivery is my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just takes off upstairs. Yeah, that sort of stuff is, is pure gold. And you can see... I think you can see a lot of those were the parts where they sort of just let him go, just yeah. ad lib. Yeah. You know, the stuff like the super cops and uh, the, the Herbert Simplex tear and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> like, it's, it's shit. If you look closely at super cops, you can see John Ashton going like he's this. He's laughing, yeah. He's, he's laughing. laughing. He's got he's his head like down yeah. and he's got his fingers out in his eyes, but you can tell you see that he's laughing. Yeah. I, I, my, my, my favourite laughs is where he's walking down the street in Beverly Hills. Those two guys come past dressed in the Michael Jackson kit yeah, yeah. from Thriller. Yep. And he just goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even, you know, it's doubly funny given his, his get up from Delirious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe that was a t- piss take on that or something. Yeah. I don't know. But yep. um, it's just, just his reaction to it is just so funny. Um, we sort of passed over it, but. In terms of the sort of tightness of the, the, the script and just getting what you need, the night on the piss with Mikey, really great way to get just drip feed us some details. Yeah. Where they're getting a little bit on the gas but and the, the, talking the, the about Mikey's the past. A, and, Mike, Mikey's a gambler. Yeah. And he's a little bit sort of sleazy, and but he, but he did a solid. And you, get a solid the, you just get the sort of intro to the art gallery and their, their, their buddy there. And yeah. um, it's sort of, 
it sort of all starts there, but you just get that little bit of, and you get a, a little bit of character. You mm. get a little bit of Murphy talking about, look, when we stole those cars or whatever, why didn't you dob me in? All that sort of shit. Yeah, know? I liked all that too. Serge? Serge, brilliant. I did two C's. Yeah, but two C's. Especially when he calls that guy over yeah, yeah. to tell him. And then he goes, well, <laughs> his shirt's wide over and he's got like a big, big <laughs> chest hair and he starts going, yeah, do that thing up, you know, you scrub. It's <laughs> yeah, uh, I love when they're talking about when he's just, it's the small talk, but he's talking about that. What does a piece like this go for? Uh, 130000 And he's like, get the fuck out. No, I cannot. I'm serious. I sell it myself. Uh, I sold one yesterday. It's a collector. Get the fuck out of here. And I also love later with when Billy Rosewood turns up and that and he goes, would you like... <laughs> would you like... Would you like espresso? I make it with a lemon twist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just the way he says it. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Really funny. He's only in it for two seeds, but he gets good laughs. Yes. Out of it. Plenty. Um, banana in the tailpipe. Yeah. Good chuckle. Good. Small Diamond Wayne's cameo. Yes. My, the best, handing the fruit over. The best part of it for mine was, was Rosewood. When he's, you know, he's sitting there going, oh, look at this. <laughs> Post seven and dual <laughs> You know. Um, uh, a customer mayonnaise. Yeah, a customer mayonnaise. You know, the jam and the bananas in there and bloody John Ashton's there. Get that shit out of here. I also love um, when those, the B team, an anti-banana device. They give him the fucking pair yeah. of glasses with a banana nose. The thing about it too is, though, that's, again, it's good writing in that you get you find out what those two are like as cops without anyone outwardly saying that Rosewood's the young up and comer who's yeah. a little bit green, green and yeah. not sure what he's doing. Um it all sort of works just by almost that scene. You get a little bit in the office, but then you get that scene and that kind of sets the tone that right, we got the old stager who's, you know, I'm putting up with the bullshit, and then you get Rosewood, who's <laughs> yeah. got no idea what he's doing. I also love uh, the strip club scene. Yeah. Where Murphy's dancing, talking about how, hey, it's all right if your dick's hard. <laughs> yeah, Tegan's dick is hard, and he's not going to tell you. Yeah, and that's a continuation of that stuff. The scene is good, but we're, we're getting an idea of who these guys are. But it also showcases Murphy's a smart cop, how mm. he observes the two guys about to hit the place and then yes. intervenes. Yep. And tells them about the coffee grounds, you know, coffee grounds at the warehouse. Yep. Um, and that comes back later, mm-hmm. you know. So it shows that Foley's a good cop. Yes. Um, and a smart cop. I really, really love the sequence with the two, um, the B-team guys outside Maitland's yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's out yeah, you're there. You're not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> you gotta butch it up a little bit. Yeah. Hey man, I'm gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe. And then, then he's like, uh, I've been shooting the shit for too long. And then he pulls up at the lights. Yeah. And he stalls out. Then takes off through the red. Yeah. And when they get caught, he just goes ah and just starts <laughs> laughing laugh his head and, off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good stuff. It's all good stuff. And like you said, it's all showcasing that Murphy is. It's. Probably for mine, it might be the best take on the cop that plays by his own rules. Yeah, yeah. because he's fucking funny, and you can tell he's enjoying this shit. Yeah, um, and as you said, it's a bit more grounded. You don't have him just blowing people away. <laughs> well, you don't have him busting into premises and punching the buggery out of people no. and taking everyone down. And it's all on. It's all on. Like you said, some good detective work. Yeah, we're led to believe good detective work, and a bit of his sort of. Unique personality of busting into places and talking. Uh, it's Ramon. I can talk to Victor Meathead and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. And I love that scene too, but when he pulls up out the front and goes, in his shitty car, and he goes, Park this thing in a good spot. Uh, all this shit happened last time I was here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. Just It just gets a good laugh, and then he comes in, he does the Herbie Simplex 10, mm. but then when he gets into the actual restaurant, he pretty much threatens Maitland. And that's where he shows off a bit of that acting. Yeah, yeah. Said. It's kind of, you know. And he, he just throws him and trying to cross the man. Yeah, it's a, that, was, that was a really good scene because it's a bit of, it's just like a stare down. You know, those yeah. two blokes just laying their cards on the table and both of them sort of neither taking a backward step. But as you said, it, it throws, um, it kind of adds a bit of 
a layer to Murphy because you kind of get that he's bullshitting, he's working his way around some stuff. But then Ermintrout, who's been probably the most imposing figure in the movie to that point because yeah. you see him, you know, being the standover, killing Mikey, all that sort of stuff. Murphy just fucking floors him in a second, you know. So it kind of it catches you <laughs> off guard. I know this may sound interesting, but when you look closely at that scene, I think, and he throws him, mm. I think his stunt double was Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> the guy looks like Richard Pryor. I'm not sure Eddie did that throwing. Yeah, I'm going to assume he was off in the trailer at that point. <laughs> Mike Ermitrout was definitely on set. He's not getting painted up. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do I get a try? No, you're getting thrown, mate. What about Stuntman? Nah, I can't see you. Limber up and you're on the table. <laughs> Do some stretching. The funny uh, thing is it's so long ago, but um, Jonathan Banks is uh, already balding. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we, get, we get a sort of a, a, a touch of, you know, where he's going to. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, he looks a bit like Gene Hackman there with that kind of curly yeah, hair. Yeah, But when you sort of, it's kind of funny to look at because in a way he is similar to... Herman Trout. He's yeah. kind of that no-nonsense kind of stone-faced. He still plays that kind of role, but it's, you know, obviously the bad guy. But As yeah, opposed he's, to he's just a good quality kind of... He's a good quality actor in that yeah. regard. I, I, I do like the... Uh, is this the man who wrecked the buffet at the Arrow Club this morning? <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> like, can, he, can you hear me through the walls? Yes. <laughs> Yes. I'll tell you the, one of the big bits that I love about this movie, that Axel is abs- actually stuffed and Rosewood saves his ass. Yeah. He doesn't just bust his way out and kick the shit out of everyone. If Rosewood doesn't turn up, Axel dies. You know? Yeah. And, and that's that's why I love this movie so much because it's so different to what you would have got. It's 84. It's pitched in the right era you know, in the 80s because once we got into the late 80s, we were supermen. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was a Superman. Exactly. But this was pre that. And it's sort of um, Ronnie Cox, too, busting in and killing yeah, yeah. Maitland. It yeah. sort of legitimises his actions throughout the whole movie. And instead of these blokes looking like, you know, instead of Murphy coming out looking like, oh, I told you so, they yeah. finish up as this crew. Like yeah, they sort of get together. Yeah. yeah, Murphy's a good cop. Uh, these guys are good cops because they finally came around and, you know figure this out and it, it all sort of works and then you get the the comedic kicker of um, Rosewood finally doing it you're all under arrest yeah. and there's you know ten other guys with their guns pulled and finally something goes his way yeah. like it all sort of works out really well in that regard and like I said I think it, you're right that it like legitimises Murphy's actions through the movie yeah, and yeah. it's before as you said before the kind of one man versus the world things that sort of came about later yeah and I thought it was a really good sequence because it also gives Billy a kind of a redemption piece. Yeah, he's been well, seen as a bit of a dumbass a throughout a, the entire film. Yeah, a bit of a bozo. But, then but he the saves Axel and then he he's integral to the final shootout yeah. at the end, which yep. is piss funny as well. So that's what I love about that, that end sequence. Yeah, the, Once they break in, Rosewood's lifting Taggart. <laughs> onto the head. Taggart's flailing. Axel looks over. <laughs> and you see Taggart sort of... And he starts laughing and then yeah. just bullets just go... I <laughs> also love when, um, when Taggart and Rosewood are kind of propped up behind the wall and Rosewood's there with a grin on his face going, you know what this reminds me of? It's, it's like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids with the whole Cuban army out the front of the little hut. And <laughs> Taggart's there going, if you say that again, I'll fucking shoot you myself. <laughs> It's funny. And I also like, um, I, there's a couple of sequences in there where, especially the one where Ermin Trout comes around the corner and Axel's down on his knees in front of him and just yeah. goes, then walks over and then gets shot yeah. by Maitland. Some of that stuff's really, really well done. And it's, it's always, not it's, over the top. Kind of, that one was more sort of cat and mouse. It was yeah. like they were playing laser tag or something in there. No. Yeah, they were just sort of keeping it. You know, no one was fucking diving through a wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, there was some real restraint shown. Yeah. And it worked. And that's because in amongst all this, in this in this final shootout in this massive mansion, there's this comedic stuff going on. Yep. Like, um, even the stuff where once he finally gets over the wall and Axel kills the bloke who's shooting at Taggart, they come together and go, are you all right? They start walking and then yeah. and they just go charging over walls. Like, it's just, it's kind of amusing, even though it's sort of meant to be 
there's that tinge of yeah, obviously they want to build some suspense and some action. Yeah. But the comedy just helps it a bit. Yeah. Gives it, does, it a little definitely. bit of something on the side, which I liked, and I yep. really, really liked it. That's probably my last like. Yeah. That was probably it for me, I think. I just think that whole sequence in the especially the end too when Bogomil eventually tells the yeah, so the bullshit. captain bullshit into the captain, and even the captain kind of looks in on it yeah, yeah. at the end of it when he tries to you know target what really happened, and then the captain sort of like looks at him like I know you're shitting, but yeah, that yeah, good report job. better be on there tomorrow. Congratulations are in order. Dislikes Jared. I only had two. So did I. My first one was <clears throat> I probably would have liked more of the fish out of water stuff. Yeah, just little little touches because that kind of seemed like. It was really important to the whole thing that here's this Detroit cop coming to Beverly Hills. And they start out going there. Yeah, they start out going there and then, that, I mean, that's some of the strongest work. So, the, you know, the Beverly Palms Hotel and the country club sort of angles, that sort of thing, just a little bit more would have worked. I mean, even Surge, like the fact that Foley's walking in there going, what's what's this, yeah, what's a piece like this go for? And it's just, you know, he's looking at it and it's mannequin heads on a table and all this sort of stuff. Like, that's that's funny and it adds to that comedic angle and it really suits Murphy. Hmm. Um, so I think just a, just a smidge more of that could have could have worked, worked pretty well. Foley's consistently being threatened with being either fired or dragged back to Detroit. Yeah. Yet he continually gets arrested. It sort of hangs over his head, but then he just ends up back in the office with like, a chance to say, hey, this is what I've found out. Yeah, like, like I can understand he gets thrown out of a window. Okay, yeah. So he gets, he gets arrested that time. Yeah. That's where he comes into contact with Taggart Rosewood and the first call to Inspector Todd. Yeah, so that one's made. kind of necessary. That's necessary. The, the second one's not so necessary... It, although no. it is, it is because you, that's where you get him talking to Bogomil yes. and explaining the coffee grounds and the drugs and everything. Yep. But the problem is, we'd already been threatened that you're going straight back. Yeah. So you're back in cuffs. So what's so going what's on? going on? <laughs> Shouldn't you be already being resold? Yeah, and I mean it does sort of go there, but it's just like we'll take you to the city limits, and of course, you go with Rosewood, so you sort of know that. Where it's going from there, that he's because Rosewood's always been the one that's kind of like, hey, this guy's all right, you know. I felt maybe he could have avoided getting arrested at the restaurant. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have Somehow. had that. Yep. But I guess that ends up with him and Rosewood going to the going to the city limits and then being him sort of. And I mean, the restaurant kind of works as it is. Like it's fun. Like if you if you change that scene we lose a bit of that stuff that we really liked about it Murphy busting in and just you know going nose to nose with Maitland and flipping mm. Ermin Trout over the table and that sort of stuff so yeah it's a, it's a uh, I mean it's, it's not a, it's not, certainly not a deal breaker for me no, but, no. but it, it, it's just something I felt sort of didn't quite gel my only other dislike is that although I enjoyed the kind of cat and mouse stuff with with um, Ermin Trout I, don't, I can't even. I don't even know his character's name in the movie. <laughs> I'm just going to refer to him as Mike Ermintrout. Mm, yeah. I enjoyed that sort of stuff, the cat and mouse stuff at, in, in the finale. But I would have liked an element of a bit of physical confrontation between those two because that's where it seemed to be building up to. Yeah. We get we get Ermintrout as the kind of stand over the heavy for the whole movie, and he's the one that's killed Mikey. And then we get that little hint where you know Murphy says to him, you know, don't. Don't even think about it, and then flips him over the table, and you think, okay, so we're going to get a little bit of. So Herman Trout's going to be steaming. Yeah, he's going to be waiting he's to get. Steaming. Him. Murphy's got the thing that you know, even though I don't, you know, he doesn't know at that point that he's the one that pulled the trigger. Um, or does no? No, he, he does. Yeah, tells he tells him. Yeah, he tells him. That's he's right. told him in the warehouse. Yep. So, um, at the at the end, it would have been nice just to get a little bit of that. I could have done with a bit of the cat and mouse stuff, and then. Somehow just finish with, you know, even just 30 seconds of punch on to kind of... Because it seemed like that's where it was building to. My final dislike was the bad guy's plan is pretty run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. Well, you know, drugs and packing crates, yeah, yeah, shipping drugs. But um, he's an art dealer. But <laughs> I guess uh, to sort of temper this a little bit, it's, it's lack of sort of complexity... Probably helps, and you don't because really, you don't need the complexity. You don't really think about it because you get a scene like Murphy busting into the the um, uh, customs thing. Yeah, and he's telling everyone, you know, I'm gonna get the IRS down here with a comb up your ass, and all. He's like, you know, you get a scene like that, yeah, and you don't think about 
this is just absolute run-of-the-mill action stuff. Yeah. He's dealing drugs. Like, yeah. It, it kind of colours that, that what would have just been a plain piece of paper gets a little bit of colour on yeah. it. Yeah. But also, I guess, it was 84. Yeah. You know, I mean, we weren't... We didn't require highfalutin plots. And something like Action coffee plots. grounds? Yeah. Like, at that time, you probably would have seen that and gone, coffee grounds? What's mm. what they got coffee grounds. As soon as you see it now, you're like, oh, sniffer yeah. dogs. Yeah. Because like, yeah. you've yeah. seen that shit so many times. Exactly. So it's sort of... Um, that doesn't hold up all that well, and it's, it is fairly straight down the line, but... But it works for what yeah, it is. It I just felt... It, it, it just... I guess... Because we've come up through so many iterations of the action film where things have just got so much much more complicated, yeah. plot-wise, it just sort of felt a little bit rote, you yep. know? Uh, anything else, mate? No, that was it for me. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Could watch that again any day. Loved it. All right, we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back and have a quick discussion about the rest of the series, not in depth, but just want to go into where things are at mm. currently and the what happened to the uh, TV pilot back in a sec After covering the first Beverly Hills Cop, we thought we'd just have a little look at the the franchise because there's been some things happening with it over the past few years. Most notably, I believe there was a TV pilot filmed in about 2013, I think. And I also read something just recently that the a fourth film is still still mulling it mulling it over. But look, Beverly Hills Cop two. Remember, we may get to these in full later on, but this is just a very basic sort of look at them. Yep. I thought 2 was all right. Yeah. 2 still had... Uh, I mean, it was made in 87, I think. Yep. Still had a little bit of sizzle. It had there. a little bit of sizzle. It still had the whole the whole group together. Um, yep. Yeah, there was a couple of I little bits I didn't particularly like. I haven't seen it for... It's got to be 10 years. It, look, I've it still does it. the job. Yeah. Um... The action gets a little bit more outrageous. Yeah, but uh, I recall there still being some laughs. Yeah. It was still funny. It was still still had the, the right beats, and it was still the same crew, uh, actors, and some, you know, the producers were the same and things like that as the original. Yep. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Three was like seven years later. Yep. I haven't seen that since I saw it. The first time around, I, I did not it. like it at all. Yeah, I saw it. I think I've seen it twice, and I saw it as I said last time. I would have seen it was I got a hold of the box set about ten years ago. So yeah. I saw two and three then, and then I haven't seen them since. It took Mev- Murphy into like a was it was an amusement park. Yeah, yeah. There was no tag. cameo. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> there was no Taggart. No. There was obviously no Bogomil. You had Rosewood. So yep. Rosewood gets elevated. Yeah. Serge pops up again. Yep. I believe Inspector Todd was also in it. Why wasn't Serge in part two? I don't know. Anyway. But I just remember three being really, really generic. Yep. And because it was the 90s, I don't think they kind of knew what to do with Axel Foley. Because Axel Foley's not a He-Man. No, the nineties like was pure He Man. Yeah, it seemed like because I remember, I recall the you know the finale involved him hanging off the Ferris wheel, yeah, sort of set up. And as you said, that's not where this one, no, succeeded. No, so. and you know John Landis was the director. And, you know, he's a man who really has no business making action pictures. So all round, I think they got that wrong. Yep. Fair to, fair to fair say. Fair to say. Now, things went dormant for a long time. There was always talk, occasionally, that maybe there was going to be a fourth one. I think there was a lot of hope. Possibly. Once, once a new Eddie Murphy movie would hit, that people would say, can we get a little bit of Foley yeah, back? Can we get Foley back on deck? Yeah. That did end up happening in 2013. They CBS, it was, decided to commission a pilot for Beverly Hills Cop, the TV show. Yep. Now, the whole premise behind it was that Axel was now Inspector Todd. 
<laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. And his son was now taking on that similar role. Yep. They filmed a pilot. It was made... The showrunner was Sean Ryan, who'd made The Shield. Yep. So there was a bit of clout there. It didn't get picked up. It's interesting reading on the net why maybe it didn't, why it didn't get picked up. Eddie Murphy seemed to think it was because he wasn't going to be a recurring character. He was going to be in the first episode, and then that was it. But see, the... Uh, you know, the testing sort of was looking for more Axel. Yeah. And so that sort of kiboshed it. Which in a way is sort of understandable. But then I guess the role is also understandable because the bloke's in his 50s now. Yeah. So. Yeah, look, I can understand where they went, why they went the way they did. Yeah. Um, but I guess my question, I, I think it's more a question of quality. And I'm not, I'm basing this on very little. But the fact of the matter is, you've got Lethal Weapon that's out there, been out there for two seasons. Yep. Rush Hour got a season, full season. Whew. Trying to tell me that <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop must have been, couldn't have been that good that it wouldn't get picked up on a generic station like that, mm. like CBS. You know, we're not talking about putting it on a streaming service or whatever no. where they can just, you know, jam it on there whenever they like. So I think it, I think, don't, I get the feeling it probably wasn't quite there. You're on a hiding to nothing, though, because, I mean, Axel Foley is this moment in time where Eddie Murphy was king shit, and now you are asking a TV a TV show on a weekly basis to reproduce that with somebody else. Yeah. It's just, I, like, I can see why. And I mean, I, if, I was, if I was an executive, I probably would have said no just because of that. I would have just gone, brilliant! <laughs> I commissioned 24 episodes. <laughs> no, you are a little bag of coke. Brilliant, brilliant. But the other problem you get too is they were going to put Axel in the first episode, yeah. but then he would not reappear. Yeah. You you basically, you get so everyone you excited, little bit of an Axel Foley... But then you take him away and you give us yeah. a second-rate yep. version. You give us Ahmed Foley. <laughs> <laughs> Ahmed Foley is here to see you. Um, so I can see why it probably didn't get picked up. Yeah. Now, there's still talk of Beverly Hills Cop 4. Mm. So the thing, just to go back to that quickly, is like, as you said, with Lethal Weapon, we knew from the get- get-go that there was no Mel, there was no Danny. So you kind of, you have a look based on its own merits. (laughs) With that one, as you said, you've kind of got a little bit of what we used to love just to give you the added kick in the balls before we go to this is not Not, Eddie Murphy. This is not not Axel Foley. It's not Eddie Murphy. You're right. Lethal Weapon had the luxury of we were recasting. Yeah, everything's fresh. So nobody... Yes, yes, the names are the same. The character names are the same, but the actors are different. So you yep. could sort of get used to them in those roles mm. without the baggage that comes with the the actors. Yeah. So, you know, it, it would have been akin to have starting Lethal Weapon with Mel and Danny for the pilot and yeah. then the, you turn around there 20 years younger and two different people. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and you're exactly. kind of like, what the fuck happened there? Yeah. So I kind of get why it probably got shafted. Yeah. I would like to see it. Yeah. It's it's never popped up anywhere. It's not well, out anywhere because yeah, obviously like, it wasn't picked up. I'd, I'd just like to, to see what they did with it. Eventually it'll probably pop up somewhere. These things have a way probably, of finding their way. Probably pop up on YouTube or something. Yeah, or a DVD package. or Yeah, Blu-ray I wouldn't be surprised. I'll do a Blu-ray package of the series and it'll end up on that. Yeah. Now, part four still, still has an IMDB page. I'm going to put it out there. I would prefer a part four than a TV show. Yeah, so would I. Yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer's back producing. According to IMDb, according to IMDb, but I believe his name is mentioned several times in a number of articles okay. about it. So you've done research. I've done a little bit of research. Thank God we've got a research department. <laughs> it's it's uh, solitary man oh, my, <laughs> in the messy apartment. My research involves... That may or may not contain a chicken, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> my research involves just uh, kind of peering over at your paper there just to yeah. check if... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Leave a weapon. Okay. Okay. Brett Ratner was initially attached to it as a no, director. Please no. But he has since gone yep. from the project. Which that was several years ago. Yep. They were talking with him. Alleg- according to the information I found, 
there's a, a pair of um, filmmakers now currently on it. Mm-hmm. A couple of guys who made a um, a foreign film called an action film called Black. I don't know if anyone's seen it. I don't know anything about it. Are you uh, just going to avoid trying to pronounce? Yeah, that? I, I am. <laughs> I am. You giving your I background, <laughs> but but these two guys are, are currently on the project, and they were selected by Jerry Bruckheimer and Eddie Murphy. Yep. Eddie Murphy has come out and said basically they're just they're looking for a good script. Yep. As simple as that. Yep. I think I'm going to be honest here. I love the first one, and the second one's okay. I just leave it alone. Yeah. I think I think we have reached the point where, and look, I know that some of these properties have been rejigged. Yep. Recently and worked out okay. Something like Die Hard, they did a reasonably good job of bringing it back. That's a different situation. And secondly, look at what they took away from Die Hard. He, yeah. The man became fucking indestructible. Yes. I he served planes for uh, fuck's he did. sake. <laughs> he did. Now, today's modern action picture is a Fast and the Furious fucking shit fest. Yeah. That can't, that, that's not going to be a wheelhouse for Axel Foley. Just on a quick tangent there, um, I actually read an article on Crack.com recently about... It involved Kevin Smith. Oh yeah, I read that too. Yeah. Die Hard Four. Yeah. Yeah. Was Piss his, was his blog. Or yeah, it was his it? blog talking about how Bruce Willis was basically holding up scenes, saying, "Look, McLean wouldn't do that. This sort of shit." I read that. <laughs> it's worth, definitely worth a read. There was also something in that article about George Lucas and Star Wars. Yeah, the doco. <laughs> The doco it just where he's sounded talking. so funny when they yeah. get putting up those screenshots. Yeah, screenshots. Jar Jar is integral to this piece. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, having conversations with Spielberg where they're trying to convince themselves, yeah, this battle will be great. It'll be great. <laughs> and then the, the final one, wasn't it Lucas kind of just sitting there by himself going, I think I went over there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, we got off on a yeah, little there. bit of a tangent, but it was funny to see you know, Bruce Willis being an a-hole and Kevin Smith writing a blog about it. I think Bruce Willis on set just decided he was John McClane. <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's funny. It's funny. Um, but, yeah, I think um, to, to address what you were saying about how you kind of just want him to leave it alone... I would, so, I would agree in a way. We're like, talking if you're going to make a TV show like that, just call it something else. We're, 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 we're talking 23 by, years ago. We were inspired by Beverly Hills Cop. So <laughs> here's our take on a fish out of water kind of. But if they're going to, if they're dead set on making something, I'd be, I'd rather the film than yeah. the TV show. Yeah. And I would rather the reason I'd kind of be more pro this is because. If Eddie Murphy's making this, he's not making Doctor <laughs> Four, Five, or Meet Dave Two. Or, you tell that stupid other one that he just made about not being able to lie. Or oh yeah, yeah. A thousand words Eddie. was another one. I love Eddie, but he's got to get out of that. So if they want to make, if it just means he's not going to make those, and he's going to have another crack at Axel Foley, I'm okay with that. I can see some comedic value in him being the old stager this time. <laughs> him being kind of the target and dealing with. Young cops and stuff yeah. like that. Giving him a partner, maybe. Yeah, I could, I could see that being kind of amusing. Like, I, I would rather see that than another Eddie Murphy film or a Beverly Hills Cop TV show. So, if they're dead set on on reviving the property, then yes, I'm happy for that to be the case. Yeah. Uh, look, it's interesting because look, 23 years ago, mate, that yeah. was when they made Beverly Hills Cop three. Yeah. That's a long, it long, a time, long time, time ago, and I just don't know if this has got the kind of juice. This no. isn't this isn't some of these other properties where it's not as beloved. Well this is one this that way. kind of yeah, yeah. This is one of those ones that I reckon if you if you talk to a kid who's, you know, eighteen eighteen years old. Wouldn't even know what it was. You wouldn't know what it was. And if you said Eddie Murphy, they'd probably say, Oh yeah, Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. That's you know, he just went completely in that direction. He hasn't done stand up. He's he's just a completely different in a completely different field, like it's definitely not one of those ones that is just an automatic. Yeah, I've seen that. Hmm. So it's kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. <clears throat> um, I, I, so it's, it's kind of our generation that would be would be propping it up. But I I am skeptical about it. Yeah, yeah. just that that's that's me personally. It just feels like I just don't see the interest in bringing it back now. 
No, I don't think. Um, I think it'd have an uphill battle to be a hit for sure because oh, yeah. he doesn't have, as you said, the the property is sort of cooled a little bit. You can't just automatically get numbers through. The I mean, you couldn't even get it on that. TV, mate. No, exactly. You could um, not get it on TV. You don't have his brand anymore yep. because he doesn't really have one. He's sort of caught in no man's land. He's not a. I mean, I would love to see him go back on the stand-up circuit and then follow up with a. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Get some heat. Yeah. Back to the sort of the bawdy R-rated Eddie. Yep. Yep. Get a bit of heat. And then and have this coming in the pipeline. Yeah. Then you might get some some traction. Yeah. And I think, you know. Uh, I guess I'm always optimistic that something like that can work because there's always, um, I mean, a, a comic writer summed it up for me. They were talking to uh, Paul Dini, who's one of my favourite writers. I, I went and listened to him and they said, someone basically said to him, what characters do you think, you know, some of these some of these D-list comic characters, what do you think could work? And he mm. essentially just said, look, anybody can work. Mm. It just takes a good idea. Yeah. And I believe that's the case for any of these movies too. Um, I mean, if you make five diehard movies, um, I guess statistics suggest one of them is going to be a pile of shit. And <laughs> they were correct. <laughs> so I, I guess this is what... an idea. I'm, I'm okay with it. I guess it. I'm looking at it from the perspective of something like, looking at something like Die Hard is Die Hard is beloved. Yeah. And when they brought John McClane back... They did it in such a way that he still felt like the it still felt like the the you know the the Timex watch in the digital age, which is what they yeah, said yeah, in that, yep, that film. Yep. Five's a shit fest, but it still makes three hundred million worldwide. Mm. This is not gonna make that kind of cash, no. mate. You, you got to be careful about how you budget this sort of film, too. I guess what you said is it, it's nailed it on the head. It feels like it's. An actor and somebody who's got the rights to a, fl- a franchise that have sort of flagging fortunes. Yeah. And it's a kind of a let's let's try and salvage something, which is not, you know, doesn't yeah, always work. Number three wasn't that good. No. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. I want to go back to it. Yeah, well, you know, just be careful, Eddie. That's yeah. all I, I think. It's on thin ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on thin ice. All right. If you want to get in contact with us... Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook, which is Thrill Me Podcast Australia, or on Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. Next film up, also in the mid-80s, Friday Night. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.